Hi, this is the UX Grow Podcast, a podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season one with Mitch Clements, the vice chair of the Product Hive Mentorship Program, as well as a lead UX manager. Thank you for being here, Mitch. Yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, and I'm always so fascinated about the journeys of how you people get into UX. So tell us a bit about your background. How'd you get to the place you are today? Yeah, it's been it's definitely been a roller coaster and a fun adventure. Um, uh, growing up, I never knew what I wanted to be. And when I first attended college, I, I just always assumed when I got to college, I would just it would hit me. I would know. And even when I was in college, I still couldn't decide on a major. Um, but I ended up doing computer science. Um, I've always loved technology. I was good at math and physics. Um, my dad was a developer. And so I just assumed, okay, I'm going to be a developer. It's a great career. There's a lot of growth opportunities. And then it was halfway through my computer science major that I first learned about UX. And then that's, that's when I realized, oh, that's what I want to do. But I didn't quite realize at the time that was actually a career. I thought it was just something that the front end developers do because they're the ones building the product. So I kind of went forward with this assumption that, okay, if I want to do UX, I, you know, I got to code, I got to be a developer. And then um, I attended a career fair and I landed an internship as an Android developer at a small basement startup. Well, this small basement startup had a UX designer. And that's when it opened my eyes of, oh, this really is a career. Here's someone doing it full time. And so during my internship, I would just try to get my coding work done as efficient as possible so I could volunteer to help out the UX designer with some research and projects. And by the end of my internship, I was doing more UX work than actual coding. And so this small startup, they ended up offering me a full-time position as a developer at the end of my position of my internship, but I ended up countering the offer and asked if I could be a full-time UX designer and they accepted me. And that was kind of just my path into UX design. Oh my gosh. Wow. You know, it is so funny how like, we all kind of fall into this, uh, for me personally, it's like I've always been aware and doing some UX design as a web designer until I just eventually moved forward to that area because I, f I feel like I just got bored with the overall graphic mm -hmm. web design industry. I feel like there's uh, there's only so much you can do in that kind of realm of industry, whereas the UX, man, it is growing. It is There's so much to learn about because no one really knows anything. And it's still <laughs> that learning. is so true. It, you know, like there's some UX veterans around, but as an industry, it's still very young. The it feels like the definitions, it, everything keeps changing. Some people might argue it's never changed, but just the interpretations, the viewpoints, the trends. Um, everyone's just trying to figure out what it really is. What are the best practices? And it feels like we keep reinventing the same terms. But yeah, it's definitely a booming and growing place to be. Yeah, I know. That's why I always just love to talk with great people like you to be able to figure this out because I feel like there's so many different pieces of the puzzle, but I feel like we're all managed to be able to create our own inside of the whole thing that makes the industry work. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a puzzle. And I think it's a puzzle without borders or edges. It just, you know, the pieces keep getting laid down. It keeps going and no one knows how big is this going to be, but it's just growing. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you work. What are some of the, this, the procedures and the guidelines that you follow? I know there's always some, some leeway because the UX design is always going to be a different uh, solution for every different problem, but you know, it's a general look. Yeah, the company I'm currently at, um, we give a lot of autonomy to our designers. Um, we really want to encourage them to figure out the best approach for each challenge. And, you know, usually that's going to take some of the typical steps. Um, one of the most important ones is just being alignment, making sure you're in sync with your product manager, your developers, with the customers, with the users, with stakeholders. Um, we, we do expect our designers to be involved in strategy. Um, we don't want them being handed projects and go make it user-friendly. You know, we want them to be in the conversations of what is the project going to be in the first place? What are the problems that we need to solve? Um, rather, you know, hand designers high level problems instead of here's the project. And then we just kind of encourage them to you know, perform user research, pick the right tools. You don't have to use the same tools for every project or the same methods, but you know, really understand the problem, work with your team. We encourage a lot of group ideation, team bonding, um, whiteboarding, and just executing all the way till, you know, you have prototypes, you're testing them with users, you've validated the business challenges, you've worked for, through the technical challenges, and following through all the way to the end when it's finally in the hands of users, in the hand of customers, and then it doesn't stop there. You know, you have to iterate, you have to follow up, you have to see, did we hit the goals and outcomes we intended to hit? So it's definitely a very open process, but it, it needs to be that way because each challenge is going to be unique. Yeah, I, I know. I totally get there's a whole alignment. What you said is a, such an important word because it is such a team dynamic and like UX design, like we're we're reliant on a lot of things to be able to understand and then test and prototype and figure out with a lot of teams who are able to create their things. And then we're able to give the necessary feedback to make sure what they create actually works and to make sure that everyone involved gets a good experience out of it. Yeah, I love what you said about, you know, everyone involved because... Um, that's one of our team principles is if you did it alone, you did it wrong. Um, we don't believe in designers working in silos, um, you know, suddenly popping out with new designs that developers are seeing for the first time. And we encourage transparency. We encourage collaboration. We encourage being, um, you know, we, we do sh weekly show and tells at my company. And it's not just show and tell the final product or the final mock-up or prototype, but show the wireframes, show the sketches, show the research. We really want it to be a group effort with everyone being able to contribute to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, also uh, talking about tools, what are some of your favorite tools and resources that you use? Yeah, I mean, the obvious big one out there is Figma. Um, 
it's just really an excellent design tool for, um, you know, just from Fig Jam to Figma for um, whiteboarding, for UI design, for prototyping. I'm also personally a big fan of Framer. They're not quite as well known, but they really allow you to create much more advanced prototypes. That allows you to take keyboard input from users, um, allows you to just do so much more. And right now, my team's actually exploring a lot of research tools. Um, one in particular is Dovetail, which basically kind of acts as a user research repository. And that's been really fun to explore because um, historically, my team, you know, we put all of our research reports and files in a Google Drive, and everything gets lost in Google Drive. Mm. And so we're exploring Dovetail right now, and I, I think it's a really great way to surface research to make it sortable and filterable and surface all of those insights. And yeah, those are just some of the initial tools that come off the top of my mind. Um, but at the end of the day, there's just, you know, so many basic tools like spreadsheets, slideshows, Slack, Zoom, you know, they're the standards, but they really, so much of my work is just happening there um, through communication in Slack giving presentations and slide decks, using spreadsheets to record stuff, remote meetings on Zoom. Um, a lot is happening there as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that uh, I feel like a lot of designers, when they start learning UX, they, they get too attached to their tools. They feel like that's something mm -hmm. that they need to rely on first and foremost. Like how many of them skip the sketching part? or the ideation or the collaboration of the research beforehand, you know, how quickly they jump to Figma and already are doing wireframing. Yeah, and I, I forgot to mention two additional tools, um, sticky notes. I have sticky notes all over my desk every day. And yes, there's a million to-do list apps out there. There's a million virtual sticky note apps, um, but I just find, just physical paper and ink, that gets the job done. Um, sometimes we overthink tools. We think there's a tool that'll be the key to our success, but it, it really, you know, tools are replaceable. They'll come and go. Um, we're seeing a lot of movement in the industry with Adobe acquiring Figma. Everyone wondering, is this the end of Figma or what's going to happen? But, you know, the industry is always evolving. Before it was Sketch, now it's Figma. Um, they'll just come and go. But at the end of the day, sometimes all you need is just pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the pen and paper. It's something that will always be around just because of the fact of the reliancy and how it will always get the job done with no fuss. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like it's never dependent on like electricity to work. It's never like batteries <laughs> or... Uh, you know, I, I feel like half the times I yeah, open up software, I have to wait for it to update. And there's just something about, you know, paper. You don't have to wait for that to update. You don't have to have a strong internet connection. Um, but, you know, of course, use just use the tools that work best for you. Don't become over-reliant on one, but use one that just, use whatever will help enable you to get the work done. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people think like because they look at some UX designer and they see the thing, the tools they use, and they think, "Oh, that's what you have to use." When really, there's so many different types. Really, there's 
it was like a bajillion tools for like the same thing. And a lot of them just can get the job done. As long as like they work with the team you're working with, I don't think it's always ever to have a problem. Yeah. Just make sure they don't cause friction, but otherwise, yeah, it's, it's an open world out there. And just like the UX industry, you know, the tools, I just keep seeing more and more every year, um, just more and more research tools and design tools I've never heard of before. And I think they're just going to keep coming out. Oh yeah, absolutely. As the UX design industry grows, people are realizing like there's a lot of different uh, niches that you can pull into. So uh, you there's like going to be a tool for like every little thing that you really want to do. I mean, it's like how like kitchen appliances are. How there's like there's one for like every single food item you could possibly think of, even if it's not really necessary. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, so. I'm curious to know if you had to start your career over again, what would you do differently? You know, that's a very interesting question. And I've been asked that before a few times. And it's interesting because, you know, I can think back to my career and with the knowledge that I have now, I can see things that I could have done earlier or different shortcuts I could have taken or things I could have done differently. But in all reality, I wouldn't want to change anything because it was all those hard experiences or doing things the wrong way or in an inefficient way that ended up being my best learning opportunities. And so I feel like if I, you know, had my knowledge now and started over and, you know, I just took all these shortcuts and optimizations and advice, well, then I would never experience kind of those trials, those hardships, the the emotion you feel when um, something doesn't work out. Um, but those experiences end up being your greatest teachers, some of your greatest memories. And so in all honesty, I, I don't think I would change a thing about my career just because I love what each step taught me. And I'd be worried that if I took those challenges away, I wouldn't have had those learning opportunities. And, you know, I mentioned at the beginning kind of my journey from an Android developer to UX designer. Um, I've also been a product manager. I've gone back and forth from a developer to a UX designer, to a product manager, back to a UX designer, then a UX manager. And just all those experiences of being a developer, being a product manager taught me so much. Um, they also taught me why, um, why I didn't want to be a developer full-time or a product manager full-time but I've learned a lot from them and they make me a better UX designer and UX manager today. Yeah, that is a very, very true and honest answer that I absolutely respect because I totally understand that a lot of the hardships and lessons we have learned is what made us who we are today. And there is definitely is the question of if I didn't have all these um, challenges, would I like who I would have became? if I didn't have any of these challenges, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and, and yeah, like, I, I feel like, you know, I could have fast-tracked my career to being a UX designer, but I, I don't think I'd be as resilient. I don't think I would have as deep an understanding. And so I, I really am just grateful for the mistakes I've made because they've really helped shape um, who I am not just I'm a UX designer, but who I am as a person, who I am as a team member, a coworker, even, you know, to my family as a father and husband. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, the the look of failure is something that we all need to look at as a process and not something necessary to always avoid. Mm, yeah. I think some people are very scared of failure. And sometimes, you know, we just have to redefine, well, what do we mean by failure? Um, you'll sometimes hear, especially in kind of the startup world, you know, fail fast. That's a very common phrase. And it's not meaning like just keep failing over and over. Rather, you know, with each failure, you want to learn from that. And then you want to iterate, which is kind of the whole world of UX as well. You know, we test, we iterate, we test, we iterate. You're, you're rarely going to have a test where everything's just perfect. And if everything is perfect, well, it's probably because you're making a mistake, like asking leading questions or doing things that are kind of biasing the results or the data. You know, it's hard to get perfection and it's okay. We don't need perfection. We just need progress. We need to learn, iterate and improve. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely very, very, very true. So Mitch, what would you say was the biggest lesson you've learned in your career so far? Biggest lesson, that's a good question. Um, you know, as a design leader, one of my kind of mantras or philosophies or pillars, I, I'm still trying to figure out what to, what to call it. I have a few of these, but there's one of my number one things or principles is people over pixels. I think as designers, especially when we're young in the industry, we get so fixated on the designs, the mock-ups, the pixels, the output. But really to make any meaningful change and to come up with effective solutions that change a business, that change the lives of users, it's really about the people. It's about the relationships because you can't do it alone. You have to have those relationships with your developers, with your product managers, with your support team, with your marketing team, and not just relationships with your coworkers, but you really need the empathy, those relationships and experiences with your users, with your customers. Um, that's really what helps build successful products and what drives meaningful change. And earlier in my career, you know, I just thought it was all about coming up with the perfect mock-up, coming up with the perfect solution and you know sometimes you might mock up something that really is stellar but if it's something that's not going to make the business you know be sustainable for the business and if it's something that's not going to be feasible for developers to build then it's not going to get built you know it's going to be this perfect mock-up sitting hidden in a figma file that never gets built that never gets released and at the end of the day, you know, mockups don't solve user problems. It's actual products in their hands. And the best way to achieve that is through those relationships you build with others. And so I, I think that's just been my biggest lesson in my career. And one of my guiding principles is always put people first over the pixels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, in the UX, you know, we are the user user experience, not the pixel experience. Exactly. You know, it's all, and there's, you know, lots of terms for it, you know, human-centered design, user-centered design. It, it really comes down to people. 
And the more I learn about the industry, the more I learn about other companies, what ultimately makes or break companies is the people. It's the employees they hire, how they treat them, how the teams work together, how the designers, you know, are they, do they understand the needs of users, of people? Um, it really just comes down to the people. If you have the right team and the right people, you can do just about anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Also, probably one of the biggest questions I get on this podcast for a lot of listeners is how can they get into UX design? What is some of the best ways for them to get their first job? And I'm just wondering, what were some of the things that they should do? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that question a lot as well. Um, you know, it's a big booming industry. There's a huge influx of new designers, junior designers of boot camps and online certificates. And I think first off, one of the most important things to understand is there is no single way into UX design. And so sometimes people are trying to look kind of for the golden answer, the silver bullet. I've never seen one. That being said, there are some guiding principles um, once again, back to that principle of people, networking is really helpful and important. And, you know, by networking, we sometimes think, oh, that means just messaging some random person on LinkedIn or going to a conference and just like randomly shaking someone's hand. Um, but I found networking is less about contacting random people. Um, it's more about contributing to communities. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You know, there's a lot of um, design groups out there. There's a lot of communities around UX design. There's places like LinkedIn and Twitter. And the more you just contribute and give, the more that you'll end up networking without realizing it. The more relationships you'll build, the more advice and guidance and mentorship that you'll find. It really is just such a huge part I think it's a lot more powerful than blindly applying to a hundred companies through their application system. Um, it, it really does come down to the relationships, the networking, um, especially in this market where jobs are closing down. There's been a lot of layoffs and hiring freezes, and there's very few junior or entry level positions compared to the influx of new designers. I think that'd be one of my biggest um, takeaways or advice that I would give. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Just because everything you said is right. I I see a lot about how what people want from designers. Oh, not only it's like so much, but also the fact that there's so many that are applying every single position, and there's not enough you know junior levels for everyone to go get into. Yeah. But, but of course, all the best jobs I would say are hiring aren't really on job boards either. I think there's a quote for that, but <laughs> well, and, also and reason why I've observed um, a lot of times when a company's ready to create an entry level position or an internship or hire a junior designer, they already have in mind people that they would want, you know, the referrals or previous coworkers or like a lot of times those positions are uh, practically getting filled before they're even open. 
Um, you know, sometimes they're posted formally open to meet legal and HR requirements, but, and that's the thing, just these positions, a lot of it is happening through networking. It's happening through who you know, and it, it really is a powerful way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, and also, um, just, I'd just like to know, Mitch, what do you think is the future of UX design? What do you think are some of the, the parts of the, either the process or the injury, industry itself will change? Yeah, that's a great question. It's always interesting wondering about the future. Um, I, I view UX design, it really just needs to be more and more integrated with other departments. Um you know, we just have to really, designers can't just be thinking about design in order to be successful. You really have to understand the business, the technical constraints. You really have to understand how to help build up other departments. And I see that, and it's already a trend, already an important thing, but I just see that becoming more and more vital that UX designers stop working in a specialized silo and just become more and more embedded in companies, embedded in teams, working together with, and once again, development and product management, but also marketing support and other departments. Um, and I think over time, you know, we see a lot of uphill battles for designers. Designers trying to get buy-in, we hear that all the time. How do I convince my leaders to buy into UX? How? How do we grow the UX department? How do we get buy-in? And, you know, there's a lot of great battles being fought on that front. And I think we'll continue to improve. I do see in the future that UX design will finally just become a more normalized thing. Um, people will know what the acronym means or by then it's probably going to be a new name, whatever. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's always the debates of UX design and product design and human-centered design and, whatever it's just names it's just titles i don't really care what we call it i just care that the work is happening that the quality part and i think it will become normalized it will become more mainstream and common but it's going to take a few decades it's just you know going to keep being this uphill battle but it's going to grow that that puzzle is going to keep growing and then it'll just be more of an expectation at companies than a a specialty or a rarity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand because when I when I ask like what is it that I do, uh, like when I say UX designer, there's always that follow up question of like what is that? <laughs> now, now I just I know I I just skipped in to say I'm an app designer and everyone's able to comprehend what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know and. I don't know it definitely is changing, especially buzzwords, man. Oof, man, our industry has tons of it. For... <laughs> and you so, know, there's always going to be the buzzwords. There's going to be the trends. There's going to, you know, it just keeps evolving. And I think they're just going to kind of all come and go. But at the end of the day, the core principles are just going to stay the same. You know, the tools will change. The buzzwords will change. But just the core aspects of you know, the reason why we do research before building something, 
the reason why we iterate, the reason why we talk to users, um, you know, those core tenants are just gonna remain true because those have been true before UX design was a thing. That's what's mm -hmm. helped build successful companies. That's what's helped build success in different careers. Um, just, you know, incorporating feedback, collaboration, empathy, humility. Uh, it's really just those soft skills that are going to stay true. Yeah, especially when you get to like a manager position. That's when like it really becomes almost all soft skills. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say the soft skills definitely become very important because it does become a lot more about, you know, less about the hard skills of putting the pixels together and more of the soft skills of how do you put successful people together? And if someone's not successful, how do you help them? How do you get teams to work together? How do you empower them? And it's rarely through a hard skill in the sense of, oh yeah, if you know Photoshop, then your team will be successful. Now that's not the case. It takes a lot of listening and thinking and collaborating and experimenting. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's all it's all a process that we kind of just have to go through too. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we're drawing close to this episode, what's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, great question. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you just go on LinkedIn and search uh, Mitch Clements, Mitchell Clements, um, you'll find me on there. I'm also a little bit on Twitter and some other um, smaller design Slack communities. But yeah, LinkedIn's the primary place. I'm constantly sharing insights on there, constantly engaging with the community. I think there's such a great UX design community out there and always happy if anyone just wants to send me a message. I'm usually pretty responsive on there. Yes, and those social media links will be found in the show notes so you can easily check out Mitchell and connect with him. Yeah, so as we're, uh, so, man, any closing words or like our audience to know about Mitch? Yeah, any closing words? I guess just, you know, if you're a UX designer up and coming, you know, just keep going, put in the time and the effort. Um, don't buy the false promises out there. There's a lot of boot camps, a lot of different things saying, you know, we'll guarantee you a job in six weeks. Um, recognize it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take more than six weeks to land that first role, unless you already have previous experience or you happen to just be super stellar. But, you know, you do need to put in the time and the effort to break into this career and to keep growing into this career. And it's not that anyone's, and there's a big argument about gatekeepers and are people being gatekept, but in reality, you know, it, it's a growing career. There's plenty of room for everyone, but you just, you have to put in the effort. You have to level up your skills in order to be a successful UX designer. And that's not going to go away. It, it takes work, but so does being a developer. So does being a product manager. These careers take time and effort to build the skills, to learn how to do it, but you can make it if you just keep on going. And I would just highly recommend that to any designer out there looking to grow in their career yeah i know i absolutely agree with a lot of that um especially like with boot camps 
you, you know, when you say the six weeks, like it's all in theory of to say like, yeah, that, that is theoretically correct, but is it practical though? I think that's a lot of questions <laughs> that people need to ask themselves. Yeah. The reality is no boot camp can guarantee a person a job because so much depends on that person. Um, it's yeah. really up to you of, you know, what, what are you putting in? How much effort are you putting into learning this, to networking, to building up your skills? Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of dedication and commitment on your part to make that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it is just a process that we, like, we need to study and practice upon. Yeah, thank you so much, Mitch, for being here. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, please do support our guests. And until then, you just listen to UX Grow Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.